Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Hey, this is Angie Austin and friends. We've got kind of an inspirational uh, theme today for kids with all the violence taking place in schools. I thought this would be a really good time for us to talk about this program that's really bringing kids together. We've got the good news gals here. We have Janine and Michelle, Monique and Cindy, and of course, producer Dave. And you guys have probably heard with some of the recent school shootings, a lot of talk about gun control and a lot of talk about school safety. But one conversation that's a little bit more muted but still being had is the whole idea of um, so walking out but then walking back in and making a new friend that many of these school shooters have a lot of issues going on uh, that, you know, probably can't be solved with just a lunch with a friend. But I think that um, a lot of kids could have a much better high school and middle school experience if they were kinder to each other. And so the example I'm going to give you of a good news story is one football player who ended up dropping out of the football team because he started this program so that kids would not be eating alone anymore. And uh, I think it's difficult for our kids to sometimes face the pack and say, I'm going to be nice to that kid who's a victim, even if you turn on me. And I think that's the, the, you have to be so courageous to not turn on the weak in school because when you stand up for the weak, sometimes your pack turns on you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like a, a, school is kind of like a mob mentality. Like people can't do things on their own. They need a pack to follow them and to help um, uh, push the notion that they're correct in what they're doing. Right, and if you somehow make them feel shameful for their bad behavior towards another kid or bullying of another kid, then you might get bullied. The tables might turn on you. So you have to have a lot of courage to not just walk away. A A lot lot of courage. courage. Yeah, I can't imagine. Because I I just remember the things that I went through in middle school and high school, and I I didn't have that kind of courage. I really didn't. I I wish I had. (laughs) I wish I'd been that brave. But, you know, um, to to be left alone and not be picked on... (laughs) It's uh, it feels like it's a it's a life saving sometimes, you know, because some people they really get it every single day, you know, and you, it's hard because you just don't want to be in that position. Right, you're afraid that if you befriend them, then you'll be them. Yeah, yeah. And do you think this whole idea is exacerbated by social media with the way that you know, like earlier in the week when we talked to Kurt Cameron about Connect Movie and um. You think that you know you were just saying when you were a kid you wish you were like that do you think that it it would have helped you or do you think it would have been worse or what do you guys think about that idea I went to a very small school so uh, for me being the small school um, you know if I had if I had uh, made enemies in my group there really wouldn't have been many more people to turn to <laughs> really yeah I mean the class was like there were two classes and they each had like 25 kids I always tell my daughter at least you got a big old 
public school where you know you can you can you know find other people that you don't really spend time with like my school was small and we'd all been together from I was there from third to eighth grade so um, it was kind of scary um, but I'm sorry I can't remember the rest of your question Just that, you know what, whether you think that it exacerbates the problem of social media uh, that kids get picked on even more. I had a friend whose daughter was a pageant girl, and she dropped out of pageants for a couple of years because she was bullied and picked on. And the kids at her middle school at the time had created a Facebook page and used her pictures and pretended that they were her bullying other kids. So they took on her identity oh. and then bullied other kids. And then kids this at school crazy thought stuff. it was it her. It is crazy. And kids at school it thought is. it was her. They thought right. that she was picking on the other kids when really she was kind of being bullied by someone That's taking terrible. over her identity. And it was earlier in the, she's, she's now a senior, so it was earlier in, um, you know, the social media uh, world right. uh, where the mom couldn't get it taken down, this fake profile of her daughter. That's terrible. Well, social media does give people an opportunity to, like, any kind of um, little a personality trait that they might have like it comes out to the 10th degree yeah. uh, on social media I mean if you're kind of a bully in real life on social media with nobody stopping you from the comfort of your own bed you can bully away on there with no consequences True. right you can be semi-anonymous while you're doing it exactly really. exactly yeah. look yeah. at how adults talk to each other on online oh my gosh <laughs> I just scroll right past them yeah <laughs> and, it, and it's scary because I remember when I was on Facebook um one of um, Andre's aunts and his father, both of their social media accounts got hacked and somebody took it over and they were sending stuff out to all of their friends. Oh, so yeah. his dad was texting me saying, that's not me, somebody's hacked my account. And the same thing happened to his aunt. So it's scary because anybody can hack your account and just put out what they want to put out and people think it's you. And mm -hmm. steal your contacts and ask for money. Mm -hmm. I've had that happen with my account at one point. Yeah. That's what happen. was happening with his dad's account. People were asking for money. And I'm like, Andre, what is wrong with your dad? <laughs> and he was like, that's not me. That's not telling all everybody texting them. It's not me. Wow. Yeah. So that is, that, that's really scary. You know, I think kids... There's always been something, you know, in every generation thinks right. the next generation is just a mess. Mm -hmm. But I really think that when I grew up, um, the decisions were simpler decisions. They weren't so complicated by things like social media and um, instantaneous. You say something and it's everywhere, you yes. know. And it's, right. just it's a lot it's more hanging to out there, with. too, in right. the wind. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I went to school, you know what a, a terrible thing was if you were chewing gum. I mean, that's how long ago it was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, you'd get in trouble for that. Or if you were outside the hall at all during class time, you'd get in trouble. But mm -hmm. everybody was... Um, pretty organized in those days. I mean, everybody walked the same direction in the hall, and that sounds like a silly thing, but I've been in schools, and it's like a mob in there, you mm -hmm. know? I get nervous going in school. Yeah, I know, <laughs> just the things they say to each other when you're oh walking down the hall. God. So this guy, I think, has a lot of courage, and he not only did he not, uh, did he pass up the 
opportunity for a football scholarship and did he quit the football team in high school he's now he's graduated and he's traveling the country starting these same clubs he's such a cool kid and you'll hear some of the kids talk about what it was like to eat alone and not have a friend at lunchtime and how it feels like the end of the world when you have that time where you can't really go anywhere else and like even pretend you have a friend like you're stuck Mm -hmm. it's lunchtime and you have to sit there and you're alone where else do you go like you're stuck being alone and everyone sees you're alone and it's embarrassing and Mm -hmm. it's isolating and it's sad and it's depressing and so he started this club called we dine together and he's starting it now at schools around the country and I just like this idea of creating an environment that's more inclusive in high schools that fewer kids feel like they're the outcast fewer kids feel like they're left out I'm not saying that causes school shooters to become school shooters, but they certainly aren't the kids that are most popular in school. They certainly aren't the kids that everybody wants to eat lunch with and invite and choose first to be on their sports teams. Mm -hmm. So it certainly can't help to make everyone feel more included, more appreciated, more popular, more loved. So here's the story we dine together. Mm. When the lunch bell rings at Boca High in Boca Raton, Florida, 3,400 kids spill into the courtyard and split into their social groups. But not everyone gets included. As we first reported last March, here at Boca High and at schools across the country, someone always sits alone. It's not a good feeling, like you're by yourself, and that's something I I don't want anybody to go through. Dennis Esteban is a Haitian immigrant. When he came here in first grade, he says he felt isolated, especially at lunch. Now he's popular, but he has not forgotten that first grade feeling. To me, it's like if we don't try and go make that change, who's going to do it? So with some friends, Dennis started a club called We Dine Together. We Dine. Together. We Dine. Together. We Dine. Their mission is to go into the courtyard at lunchtime to make sure no one is starving for company. Dennis. I'm new here. You're new here? When did you first come here? For new kids especially. The club is a godsend. This is Gabriel. Gabe, how you doing? Since it started last year, hundreds of friendships have formed. Some very unlikely. You're probably meeting kids you never would meet on the football team. Ever. (laughs) Gene Maxmaridou actually quit the football team, gave up all the perks that come with it, just so he could spend more time with this club. I don't don't mind not getting a football scholarship. This is what I really want to do. Just imagine how different your teenage years would have been. What's the name? If the coolest kids in school all of a sudden decided you mattered. We'll get to know each other better. It obviously takes a lot of empathy to devote your lunch period to this. Yes. Either that or first-hand experience. I went from coming from a school that I always had friends to coming to where I had nobody, so. Club member Allie Seeley transferred a few years ago. She says with no one to sit next to, lunch can be the most excruciating part of the day. See, it's really unfair. It's honestly an issue. Meeting someone who actually cares and, li- and listens to what you have to say really makes a difference. And that could happen at lunch. That could happen at our club. Since we first told this story, Dennis has graduated from high school, but not from this mission. Starting all school. He's now traveling the country, opening We Dine Together chapters at other schools, 15 so far, with more than 100 slated for the new year. And if we're lucky, when he's done showing kids how to make outsiders feel accepted. Yeah, I'll be around tomorrow if you want to eat lunch together. He can teach the rest of us. How cool is that, huh? That's powerful. It is. I think peer pressure um, is especially 
prevalent when you are in the junior high, high school group. Mm-hmm. And as we grow older, we learn how to embrace, not, you know, embrace our emotions a little more. But it's very prevalent at that time. And when you add social media into that and the awarenesses that come from that, I think it's powerful what this this kid is doing and creating. Um, having that connection on any level, even for a few minutes a day, is what life is about. And that moves you to that space where you can kind of embrace yourself and yourself in the world. Mm-hmm. And it seems like an okay place. So I think what he's doing is just powerful. It just gives you self-confidence. Mm-hmm. Really. You know, little kids, when you were, you know, you said junior high and high school, little kids just, you know, they meet on the playground and they're buddies. Playing, it doesn't yeah. matter. It, nothing matters. It's just like you're playing together. It's just a new friend. I just got a new friend, Grandma. Look at him. And uh, then it does change. You get more uh, aware of yourself. And then you start thinking what other people are thinking. And uh, then when you come in to listen to that girl cry, you know, she's in a situation where she is alone. And it seems like everybody else has somebody. But a lot of them don't have anybody either. Just you don't know that, that when you're young. You don't. It's bigger. It's the biggest mountain in front of you. And it, it just is. isn't realistic at that point in the real big picture. Yeah when you're young. I remember all my girls, you know, some of them just naturally uh, had friends and some of them were always thinking, I just want to find that friend. I want to find my real Mm -hmm. friend, Mm -hmm. you know. And then that when you, if you don't have a group of friends and you just have one friend or or that best friend, Hope's had a friend, um, off and on throughout the years that really didn't want her to be friends with anyone else. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that ran into difficulties in terms of, you know, just that power struggle of other people because Hope kind of likes a lot of people. Right. And so, and a lot of people like her, she's very loving. And so that's been interesting to, um, for me to try to explain to her that, you know, a true friend won't keep you from having other friends. A true, a true friend will share you and allow you to have other friends. So that's been an interesting, it's kind of worked out this year, but in, in, in the past, there's definitely been like drama over it and yeah, her not allowed to. Yeah. Thing, yeah. Well, and I think too, that sometimes if the kids themselves are a little broken or from difficult situations where maybe they've been adopted or they're in foster care or they have, you know, parents who are going through a difficult situation. And so then that love that they see that hope gives them, they want to keep that and they don't want to let it go because they've already lost something in their lives. And so they don't want to share that love that hope gives mm-hmm. them. Well, they see that stability. They want that. But at the same time, I feel like that's a lot to put on hope mm-hmm. um, because she's she's only a child, and she really doesn't understand it herself. So I get that she, you know, that's her friend, but that's a lot to put on her mm-hmm. at that age. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. I think that sometimes people, I think what they forget with middle school and high school students is that I think the majority of the kids are in survival mode. Like it is kind of true, isn't it? Yeah. You know, my kid will be like, you know, I'm the only one everybody's staring at. I'm like, listen, (laughs) there a lot of people are struggling with a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. Some kid could be in the most popular group at school, and you assume that their life is so perfect, and they have their own issues. There's kids who are 
too dark skin, their butt's too big, they're too short, they're too fat. There's always something. And um, and you don't know what's going on at home. You don't know. I always say that to my kids, too, because there was a kid that was kind of being mean to my son, and I'm like, you don't know what's going on at home. And then come to find out there were some really complicating circumstances going on with one of his parents that were severe. And I said, see what I mean? I said, you know, I don't want you talking about this at school, but he had a lot more going on than you ever imagined. Exactly. And I think, you know, we work... That at that age, you work on the assumption that you're alone and suffering and that everybody else's life is so perfect. And it's just not it's not the way it is. I think it's pretty spectacular that this kid had the wherewithal to be concerned about Others. someone beside himself, really? because really, I think people are just concerned about, you know, how do I fit in the world? Which group can I fit in with? Who Who is going to be, who am I going to be acceptable to? And they don't think like, you know, there's other people out there who could really use me that I could help get out of their rut. There's that bench, you know, at school, the buddy bench where kids sit when they feel alone and they don't have a friend. And a lot of times they really do utilize that bench and go over and get kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hope sometimes will go over to the buddy bench and get a kid that's alone and say, you know, do you want to play? Because when they sit there, it means they don't have anyone to play with. And that's the whole point of the buddy bench, that when someone's sitting there, you know, someone's supposed to come get you and see if you want to play. That's what Andre, the other day when we picked her up, um, this third grader came up to the truck. And Andre's tall, so he was just a little guy. And I was like, oh, he's so cute. And he was like, yeah, Andre plays with me at recess. (laughs) I'm like, Andre, that's so cute. She's like, if they don't have anybody to play with, I'll play with them. So I think that's sweet. But he was so tiny. Oh, that is so cute. (laughs) Hey, you probably heard me, too, talking about, you know, losing weight. I've lost almost 20 pounds. And uh, Janine's helped me with that. So if you want any information on that. Dr. Jillian. It's her program. And you can uh, go to AngieAustinRadio.com and shoot me an email if you have questions. Or you can go to LoveYourSkinDenver.com and tell Dr. Jillian that Angie sent you if you want more information on that. It's been really an easy program for me to follow and really has been easy in terms of like, you know, the snacks I like to eat. So it's been helpful because I still get sweets and things like that. So please reach out if you are interested in losing some weight because for me, it's been the easiest diet plan that I've ever done. So that's been good. Is there anything else we want to wrap up here as we... Michelle's in uh, real estate, and uh, Monique has amazing hair extensions that you can get uh, a hold of. I have and, some of them um, in right now. Do you really? Oh, oh yes. it is longer. Your I hair changed is longer. mine out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it looks good. Your so hair natural. looks really long. Thank you. Really? Yeah, it is natural. <laughs> really? And Cindy is uh, the Botox beauty queen, so there's uh, there's that as well. Beauty and fillers. Beauty and fillers. fillers. Yeah, fillers. Those turn are the much... hands of Father Time back. Yeah, turn the hands back <laughs> rather than go under the Naturally knife. Naturally get... and gracefully. Plumped up a little bit. Yeah. Well, I sure do appreciate you guys. I'm having a tough week. I'm really tired. I've got a lot I going on. You look like show. you got the world on your shoulders, lady. I am really exhausted. But Start big, my own show is congratulations. a lot. Congratulations. I'll tell yeah. you what, your smile just keeps going. Oh, <laughs> I know trying. they can't see it on the radio, but they can hear it. Well, AngieAustinRadio.com would love to hear from you. And if you want to advertise with the show or partner with us, we'd love to hear from you about that as well. AngieAustinRadio.com. And you can reach any of my guests as well. We'll be right back with the good news.
Good News of Jesus for you in High Definition Radio and streaming at 670KLTT.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. All right, Angie Austin here along with Adam. Adam is an ambassador with ARC, and when you shop at ARC, it helps the ambassadors. They help people in our community. Every dollar you spend helps, and everything you donate helps. ARC is a tremendous benefit to people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Now, there's a Saturday sale. Most items half off. If I'm a senior, 55 and over, on Tuesdays, most items are half off. How do we find out about that? ARCthrift.org. How about if I want to donate? Where do I donate? 303-238-JANE. You call them and they'll pick up whatever you need. Furniture, small, big. Medium. uh, Yep, absolutely. Uh, A small, big, medium. They'll bring the truck right on over. What's the number? 303-238-JANE. Yeah, they bring a truck right to your house. 303-238-JANE. 303-238-JANE. ARCthrift.org. Does ARC make you feel special? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I thought so. The ARC special. ARCthrift.org. As are you, babe. As are you. Thank you. Do you love working for ARC? I love... Arc. Welcome back to the good news. So excited to have one of my friends and colleagues, Scotty Nell Hughes, joining us to give us her testimony. She is the author of Roar, The New Conservative Woman Speaks Out, and she is also the chief political correspondent for USA Radio News, and she is a daily contributor to my show, Daybreak USA, which airs on at least one of our Crawford affiliates, and that is uh, 8, 10 a.m. KLBZ in Denver every morning from 4 a.m. until uh, uh, 8 a.m. So there you have it. Scotty Nell Hughes, hello. Such a blessing to be with you, Angie. You are such a delight. You have truly made every morning so much happier for me to get up. You're you're better than an alarm clock. Well, you know what's funny is our, our boss said, oh, I'm going to introduce you to your new BFF. And, you know, in radio, you hear that all the time. You're like, oh, I'm sure we'll like each other. But you actually, you and I actually have become friends. We have. And I think it's because we have, you know, it's so interesting that people think that media is so dark and that most of the people in there, and I can see, you. I mean, if you sit there and you cover hard news stories and death and destruction day in and day out, it's real easy to become bogged and to just be torn down. And I think it's because I saw with you being so happy and so bouncy. And if you can be that way at that hour of the morning, like I am, that there's got to be something special with you. And I have been so amazed to find out that it's it's not just because you're just an awesome person, but, but we have kindred spirits in the fact that we're both believers yes. and, and we're women of faith. And I think that's what actually um, has allowed me to be so excited to be a part of you because I love seeing other women like myself in this industry. Well, we've had fun with that. We've had fun, you know, finding out more about each other and being Christian moms. Our kids are similar in age. So I really wanted to get your testimony. We'll talk a little bit of politics and why you got so fascinated with it and became the chief political political correspondent and wrote a book about, you know, uh, conservative women. But let's go back in the Scotty Nell Hughes story. Um, I know you're very family oriented. How did you, uh, how were you raised and how did you get led to Christ? Well, what's amazing about it, you know, some people, you hear these great big testimonies of some sort of tragedy that happened that brought them to Christ. And, and I love those stories. But I think there's actually a lot of us that were kind of just born into it, born into life, born into mothers and fathers and families. Now, prior to me coming into this world, both my mother and father had a very interesting journey into how they found each other. And they truly, even 30 years later, 40 years later, will say only God could have brought the two of us together. And if you met the two of them, you'd go, yeah, that is definitely God in that marriage because there's no other way it could, it could exist. But I think my mother, having gone through a tragedy of losing a son um, to, to a violent crime, and my father being just this amazing actor and, and talented artist, 
these two finding each other only could have been God in the streets of Atlanta as Jimmy Carter was coming through. And I could not imagine myself today without having the character of both of them. And so I was born, now neither one of them when I was born were believers, but my mother was down the street in the neighborhood, she said, and there was this woman who came in and her 16-year-old daughter came in, was just a ray of light. And my mother looked at her and said, how did you raise a girl that wonderful? How did you? And she says, honey, you need to get in the church. You need to get your daughter in church from day one. And my mother and father went down and found our New Hope Community Church. And from that moment forward, we were we were in church. But more importantly, my mother just found became this lover. And so from the day that I actually remember, I always remember being in church and being in the belief. But that itself so, can be so hard. It to- was a 16 year old girl that um, loved Jesus and was such a bright light that your mom was like, wow, I want my daughter to be raised like that. And then they started taking the family you to church. That's exactly what it is. And it was just because, and I don't think people realize how much your light can shine and how much of a difference it makes. And so, and you don't have to say anything. Just having that. And so that is exactly what happened in my mother's world. And she said, I want my daughter to be just like that. Now, I have no idea who that that couple is. Now, I have no idea who that daughter is. I would love to see her and say thank you to her. But either way, that is what we have to realize as Christian women, that sometimes we don't have to say a word and we still make a difference. Wow. That is such a cool testimony and a strong statement for just the way you behave and act that you can be that bright light for Jesus. Okay, so your parents start going to school, they be, or to church, they become Christians. Yes, and then when I say they become Christians, I they go from not really, I mean, they both were very spiritual growing up. I mean, there's definitely a long traction of, of, of faith around them. They just never had taken that believer, that, that asking Jesus to be a part of their lives. Um, to, I literally, people look at me and go, oh my gosh, you're a preacher's kid and not in the rebellious way. Yeah. I went to the extreme where mother just, it's like she found a duck in water. She found the word was what she'd always been looking for. She had always been this feminist on her own. Like I said, she lost my brother. Um, and after, and she had lost her mother, her father, her brother. How old was her brother? She lost her. No, my brother. She lost my brother. And my brother was he? He was eight years old, and my mother had um, be, had to be, had gotten a divorce, which at that time was very much not looked forward upon. And she was a working career woman, a single mother, and she was coming home one day, and she had left my my brother with the nanny. And she said she saw a ambulance pass her on her way on Buford Highway in Atlanta, Georgia. She says, "I knew that ambulance was not, was going to change my life." And she pulled in, and what had happened is that the nanny's son had taken a gun outside, um, out of the uh, chester drawer of her parents and was jealous of my eight-year-old brother and how much the nanny loved my brother because he was just, he was an amazing kid, you know, and uh, had shot him point point blank. And, And the nanny said she heard my brother begging for his life, please don't, and shot him right there. My mother in that previous year had lost her mother and her father to cancer. So she lost her entire world and she was an only child. And she at that point and so every time that I go through a hardship every time that I go I can't handle anymore I think of how it felt with that and there was so much horrible I mean could you think of there's no worse nightmare than that right there happening to a woman and yet somehow she found open her eyes she found to, to continue forward and that whole struggle that went with that but out of such horrible tragedy came me because of that, 
she she went another direction than where her life was leading her. Wow. And she knew that the day that, I, that when she found out she was pregnant, she was going to make sure that it had a solid home for me and that she was going that that she was going to have a, a, a different life for me than what she had provided for my brother. And that's what sealed her and my father together for so well, because she wanted to have a father for her, her child and a family structure um, that would be more stable. And that's right. what I was raised in. Now, Angie, you know that you have children. I like to think that, you know, my children, I, I, I take them to church, but there are challenges growing up as a, as a Christian woman from day one. Um, I still go into church day we, and, and when they'll play with some of the old hymns that we played at church camp and, you know, I still well up with tears that that's mm-hmm. my foundation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I just, I, I can see why you so admire your mother, uh, making sure like how she didn't crumble under that pressure or, you know, turn to drugs or alcohol that she found her Christian faith and you and I didn't even know that we had this in common, that my brother was murdered. He was um, a full-grown full man in his early 30s. But I didn't know that we'd each, each lost a sibling. Um, your situation, extremely tragic, such a, a young, you know, an eight-year-old being killed by a, a jealous kid. Um, so unbelievable to me. But just I have such admiration for your mom taking that right path after that because we hear time and time again that people, when they go through that much pain, they try to block it out with things that aren't of you know, the Lord. And so, wow, that is amazing to me. And did you, were there any more kids in your family or did you end up then as um, an only child? I ended up then as an only child, which let me tell you, that can have its challenges. Now, growing up, it was awesome being, you know, the center of attention of mom and dad. It was great. I mean, I didn't have to worry about competing against other person's sports schedules. And when Christmas came, it was, you know, it was, it was wonderful for me. However, now as I've gotten older, I think that's where God has really tested my faith. Mm-hmm. And because I had two parents that were so in um, were so focused on me and because they, they wanted to protect me even more because of their past lives. Um, it, it's been very interesting as an adult to all of a sudden life does hit you. And now when you face these challenges of your parents getting older and getting sick and you're on your own and figuring out how, how you're going to pay for these things and making decisions for your parents by yourself and praying that you're making the right decisions. Yeah. And at some point you want to go, wait a minute, I'm the kid here. You're the adults. You're supposed to be doing that. Um, that struggle right there, or also having my own children and, and having two, I don't know what to do with two kids, Angie. I, it's, it's <laughs> not in my repertoire. Um, when I met my husband and this is, you know, another God moment is, um, I had literally given up on dating. I had dated all these other flashy high rollers, these, you know, politicians, everything. And just, it, it looked good, but there was nothing there. And I literally came home on, on a, a Super Bowl night and I just cried to my mother and I said, mom, I'm, I'm, I'm 20, I believe it or not, 25 years old. And in the South, you have to understand we're like on second child by oh, then. That's hilarious. Never going to get married. What am I, I'm never going to meet the right one. And the next morning I received an email from my girlfriend and she said, Scotty, I have been holding off on this because I just did not know how to say it. I said, but six weeks ago at a party, our Sunday school teacher met, uh, came, we were at my house and he picked up a picture of, of the 10 of us girls. And he looked at that picture and said, that girl right there, I want to meet her. That's the girl of my dreams. And I looked at him because he's a boy scout and he's sweet and he's nice. I said, no, you don't pick any other one besides that one right there. She's so fiery. She's so passionate and he's very even kill. And he bugged her for six weeks. And finally on Super Bowl night, the same time as I'm crying to my mother, this Sunday school teacher says to her, you're giving me her number, at least give me a chance. 
And we talked the next day. And after that, six six months later, we were engaged. Nine months later, married. Nine months later, first kid. Wow. So it, it was totally, uh, you know, you, it's amazing to still be reminded that God does have a path for you if you're just willing to listen to it. Yeah. Yeah, and so many of us want to put earplugs in and do our own plan. If you're just joining us on The Good News, we're talking to Scotty Nell Hughes, the author of Roar, the new conservative woman speaks out, and also the chief political correspondent for USA Radio News. And my colleague, she joins me on Daybreak USA every morning for my show. So then you meet your husband, and you have these kids, and you've got two kids now. I also, besides parenting, because I know that's been a challenge for both of us, because you and I are total <laughs> working moms, and mm-hmm. my I didn't even think I'd have kids. I worked, you know, so many years in news and in different parts of the country. And you're really skinny and really tiny. Oh, I don't know about that. I'm just saying. If, <laughs> if none of you have ever seen a picture of Angie, she is so gorgeous. I'm exactly opposite of her. We laugh that we're kind of like the, the I'm twins like your of mini movie. me because you're like <laughs> six feet tall and I'm five feet tall. I can't wait for us to go to some of our, you know, radio conferences together. It's going to be hysterical. Yes. And then I'm going to bring you down south and feed you fried chicken and sweet tea. <laughs> and maybe I might get a chance to put some hips on you. A little bit hey, we're in Birmingham. I'm sure that they're big sweet tea lovers. I've oh, never... absolutely. Barbecue. They have the best oh. barbecue in Birmingham. Oh, if you've not... Girlfriend, you need to come down south. I do love barbecue. And I love southern manners. Yes. You know, I just think there's something beautiful about Southern manners and how charming Southern men are for that matter. And the women. All right. So love the South. All right. Let's talk... How did you get into politics as a single Southern woman? Um, I know you started on this career path fairly young. You were in the media eye. I was. And, you know, that's what's, what's amazing. I think it's because of the background. Um, and, and this is another God issue, how it came. My mother, because she had lost a child and she valued life so much at a very young age, I might not have understood what abortions were, but at six and seven years old, I was standing outside Planned Parenthood here in Nashville, Tennessee, holding signs, um, praying for people and doing the runs for life, the march for life. I, life is so important wow. to me. And so I started at that point and I, and more and more, it just grew to me to do the rallies and obviously um, became more March for Jesus is a March for lives. And so the pro-life movement really, really got me. But actually I give my career and the reason why I'm here today, I had the story about my brother and you know how hard it is to break it into this business. And I had gone in and out. I, I was actually, I've, I've been to Iraq, I've been to Gitmo, but always as a support staff, as a producer, um, supporting, supporting other people, which is great. I love that, that role. But I never actually got to have my voice. And when the horrible events that happened with Sandy Hook happened, um, I never, my mother chose never to tell me the truth of what happened to my brother. I knew he had been shot, but she'd given me more of a bubblegum story. Mm-hmm. And when Sandy Hook happened, she came to says, you're old enough now. I was 31 years old. You're old enough now. Let me tell you the truth of what it is. And that led to a conversation about the Second Amendment. And she says, all these people want to go against your rights and think they can, and people can't go against them because they're victims. They've had horrible tragedies happen in your life. You have too. Your life has been affected by it. Mm-hmm. But you believe in protecting the Second Amendment. And I wrote an article about that whole story. And, and the most amazing thing was we had tried to get on network news on all sorts of different issues, try to get break into it. Magically, somehow, Pierce Morgan, doing his Guns America series, picked up the, the town hall story I did about the story of my family and my brother. And tracked my producer down, tracked my publicist down and called. And my publicist comes and says, I got good news and bad news for you. I said, okay, good news. 
we finally get this network. I mean, you have to understand 10 years of trying to break into the networks. Right. He says, we've got you this network. We've got you a network here. I'm like, that's awesome. He says, bad news. It's going to be 150 live CNN studio audience handpicked by CNN. You will be the only female on there and you will be one of four. You'll be the only person defending the second amendment. You have 48 hours to get to New York. But I finished that night and my mother called me and she said, you know, it's amazing. She says, first, I thought the light of, you know, when you were born, you were, you heal, you were the good that came out of that tragedy. Daughter, talk about my son on national television. And for once, somebody actually knows his name because his sister brought it to light. Wait, say that again. Say that again. My mother called me and she says, 33 years after the death of my son, his sister goes on national television and says his name for every person to hear and tells his story. Yeah. And she says that right there. She says, your brother is up in heaven just cheering for you. And I feel like every time, every media hit that I have, because it would not have, I mean, God, I would love to have my brother on this earth. There's no doubt. And that just shows, you know, we go through such trials and tribulations and we don't know why God is. And we, when we sit there, we blame God. I'm like, God, why are you making us do this? We don't understand. And he's not, he's not the one, but he, he, you have to understand there's still a bigger, there's always a bigger picture. There's always an opportunity to be of witness. And you don't know why things are happening, but God does. And mm-hmm. you have to have that faith and trust in him. So that brings us to politics. That's what got me back into it. So okay. Angie, I'm sure my life and my faith is not separate from my life, from my work. So my this is just, this is just five years ago that you started um, getting on TV with your political views. It is. It is just now. I've always had them. I was in local talk radio. I, I still did talk radio, but actually getting on television because don't take this the wrong way. We talked about it earlier. I am not your stereotypical um, reporter. I am six foot tall. I do have hips. My Southern accent comes out when I am, am sleeping and I have an opinion. And while I have always studied and adored journalism, I've always had this opinion and this, this desire to tell the story of, of the people, of the American people, but most importantly, the conservative, the Christian to fight, to, to use the, the tools that we have, the ability to spread the message, to, to convey the message. That's my talent. Going into the liberal left media field, people go, why do you go on all these shows? Why do you go on Al Jazeera and try to defend the, the Christian faith? I said, because that's my mission field. Some people are drawn to people like Uganda and go to Haiti. I go to Al Jazeera. And, and I sit there, and that's how God sits there and calls you to your mission field, whatever it might be. It might be just down the street. It might be your neighbor's house. It doesn't have to be something. But I promise you, every faith, every Christian has a mission field, and you have to find it. That's why God puts you on this earth. No, I agree. And I love the whole idea of letting our light shine brightly to glorify the Lord in heaven like that girl did that led your mom to church. And boy, I hope if I come down to visit you for the National Religious Broadcasters uh, Convention, I get to meet you your mom, because I think that her story is amazing because she could have crumbled under that kind of pressure. Losing an eight-year-old to gun violence, I can't even wrap my head around. You and I have kids who are similar in age, mine are six, eight, and 10, and I just can't even imagine, to be honest with you, how she survived it. But then again, a lot of times I wonder how people survive things without Jesus, and obviously she found him through this. We, you know what? We've all had trials and tribulations, and, 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 and this is a horrible, horrible field that we're in. I'll be honest with you. There's definitely more challenges, um, but it's amazing how my ground, everybody goes, how can you be so happy and peppy and the world's crumbling around you and you're dealing with this because I know that in the end, Jesus is the light of me. And I know that whether I sit there and beat somebody over the head with a scripture, which I have been known to do um, on the more progressive stations because sometimes they ask for it. 
But also mm-hmm. sometimes I might not even say a word. They all know that there's something different about me. There's some yeah. sort of light. And yeah. it's amazing. You know, when I go against these people that are extremely, and this is in life too, is friendships. When I go against these people that are just mean and angry and bitter, and I'm like, I did nothing to you. I said, good morning. <laughs> Comes to find out usually they're not a believer. They don't have faith. They don't have that. And so they see that in me and they want to just turn sour on me. And I find that to be even more of a challenge to, to say, you know what? You can be this way too. You don't yeah. have to hate the world. In fact, you can love yourself. You can love the world. And this is how. Yeah. That's my that's my goal in life. Love it. Well, Scotty Nell Hughes, such a pleasure to have you on The Good News. I have you every morning on Daybreak USA. And we, I just appreciate your friendship and your expertise. We have such a great time on the radio. I want to make sure that people um, can find you on social media and other places and uh, your book. So how can we find you and Roar, The New Conservative Woman Speaks Out, Scotty Nell Hughes? Well, definitely, please. And I, and I went with a Christian publisher because I did not want to have it edited. So trust me, it, it starts off, I'm a gun-toting, Bible-thumping, baby loving sweet tea drinking it go and i imagine most women can definitely but even men could relate to the story so go to roar you can go to any of your book bookstores barnes and noble costco go on amazon.com it's still there um even despite being released a year and a half ago it still seems lifeway christian stores it still is, is i'm blessed to still have it in circulation and then um please follow me on twitter angie you and i tweet all the time so if they follow you i guarantee i'll pop up somewhere in their world excellent scotty nell hughes love you thank you thank you Hi, it's Angie. Hey, do you have a lot of things around your house you want to get rid of? My husband wants me to get rid of anything and everything that is in his way. 303-238-JANE. I love ARC. They help people in our community. Every dollar you spend helps and everything you donate helps. 303-238-JANE. They bring a truck right to my house. I actually have them come every month or two and it is so helpful to get that place cleaned out because you know what? My husband's a lot nicer to me when I donate things and who better to donate to than ARC? 303-238-JANE and arcthrift.org for a location near you if you just want to drop a few things off and do a little shopping. arcthrift.org, shopping with a purpose. I love Arc. This year, the Easter Bunny is making a special stop at the YMCA. Join us at the YMCA of the Rockies for a family Easter celebration. Our Little Bunny Egg Hunt for children 6 and under starts at 9 a.m. Then the big kids get to hunt for Easter surprises and hang out with the Easter Bunny at 9.30 a.m. And then at 11 a.m., dress up in your Easter finest for refreshments and photos with the Easter Bunny. Be sure to bring your Easter basket to take home your treat-filled eggs. At the YMCA of the Rockies, we put Christian principles into practice with our fun and informative programs. And our facilities are located in stunning environments that help build healthy minds, bodies, and spirits for all. Please join us Sunday, April 1st for another spectacular Easter brunch at the YMCA of the Rockies. Contact David Otis at 970-586-3341, extension 1378, to make your reservations. Or go to ymcarockies.org for more information. She can't be here. She had to take off. But, you know, she's so busy. She's always running around everywhere. Uh, but I didn't want to pass up the opportunity to talk to her good old friends at the YMCA. You know, Angie's always talking about how it's one of her favorite places to go. It's one of her fit. It's like her family's personal vacation destination. I love it up there. I grew up going up to the 
grow I you know I grew up going to the YMCA I learned so much about life about taking care of myself about everything that there is I was actually a camper and I was a counselor at YMCA camp and we're here today with Kellen our good friend Kellen at the YMCA in Estes Park hello how are you today thanks thanks for having me Good. Yeah. Thanks for being on and uh, thanks for supporting our show. And we just always want to show our appreciation and how much we like you. And we genuinely like going to the Y and we like it up in Nessus Park. But uh, why don't you tell us about some other reasons why we'd want to go up there? Yeah. Well, currently, you know, everyone first day of spring, everyone's in spring break mode right now. And we have a lot of really fun programming going on throughout the month of March, focusing on spring break. And it's a it's a jungle theme. Uh, it's called Go Wild, and we have a ton of really fun activities that are focused on the jungle theme in the Rocky Mountains. Right now, how I was actually curious because I helped write a commercial for that, and it turned out really great. But I was wondering, how are we turning the woods into a jungle? <laughs> right? A lot of creativity. Okay, good. <laughs> um, but, I'll, yeah, some of the activities that we're doing uh, totally blend uh, our Rocky Mountain environment that we have with with the jungle. So you can, um, you know, experience both at the same time. We do a jungle hike, which is comparing Rocky Mountain wildlife to the jungle wildlife. So how, how are things similar? How are things different? Um, you can draw a lot of parallels to that. Another fun activity that we're doing is banana boat s'mores. So everyone's familiar with the traditional s'mores that you have around the campfire, and we're doing a twist on it with um, some bananas and other fun fun goodies. There's the jungle jamboree and we're doing a lot of crafts. So like a rainmaker craft and also some binocular crafts are some of the things that we're doing. And, and there's a lot more too. Well, that sounds really fun. It sounds like you could really fill up a whole weekend. Uh, one of my favorite things about SS Park YMCA is that it is so close. It takes no time at all to get there. And it is like a full on vacation and it's right yeah. here. <laughs> yes, you're right. We're, um, just a short drive from Denver in the Front Range area, and it's, you know, we call it a one-tank trip. You only have to do one tank of gas, and we're just right up the mountain, but you feel like you're a world away. Right, and that's my favorite part about it is it seems like, you know, you don't have to leave. You don't have to go all the way across, across the country. And, in fact, this spring break, you don't have to go to Africa exactly. because you can go up to Estes Park and get, <laughs> exactly. a jungle, get the entire jungle experience. Exactly. Well, that's awesome. And then, so after... Spring break. What do you think is happening after? Is there uh, the Y have a lot of plans for this spring uh, and, you know, leading into summer? We do. We actually have a really exciting grand opening coming up. And on Saturday, April 28th, we are holding the grand opening for our new Boone Family Mountain Center building. And it's a brand new building on our property, and it's going to be the new headquarters of all of our adventure activities. So, our mountain bike rentals, our fly fishing guided trips, our guided hikes, archery zip line is all going to be based out of that building. Um, and we also have a brand new two-story indoor climbing wall that will be at the Mountain Center. Ooh, that so sounds really cool. I like that you're combining everything together so you don't have to walk to all the different little buildings to find all the different activities. Exactly. So great. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of stuff coming up at the Y this spring break and don't forget about the jungle theme spring break it's a great way to just you know you don't want to be sitting around not everybody can get the whole week off but you don't want to be sitting around the entire week doing nothing go up to ss park enjoy that jungle theme you know go up there and you know learn about the wildlife and do all the crafts and then you know and think about what you're doing this summer and uh ss park is 
you know, the, it's a one tank trip, like Kellen said, and it's so easy to get there. It's beautiful, and they have so much going on. Thank you so much for being here, Kellen, and talking to us about the YMCA today. Yeah, thank you guys. Okay, and uh, everybody, thank you all for listening, and ev- don't forget to go up to the YMCA. And thank you again, Kellen, and have a great day. We'll talk to you next time on the good news. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at angieaustinradio.com.